0: You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Perth Property Show. My name's Trent Fleskins, your host. As always, this week, we have Brendan Tolney back in the studio. We are talking about the regional markets. We thought we'd finish off the year and like we had our chat with our Perth market. I think we have a look at where things were back at the start of
1: the year, Brando? Yeah, for sure. And work through from 2021. It's been a really interesting year 2021 for regional markets because most of them came off uh, an all-time low and essentially went to a place where they've never been to before in terms of activity coming through. So, that decentralization from the city has happened all over the world, people looking for lifestyle and recreation properties and holiday homes, those kinds of things. And it hasn't just been the typical southwest holiday home that everyone went looking for. They've gone all the way through the region looking for somewhere unique to be. It's
0: One of those things where we look back on it and go, oh, that sounds logical. You know, if people can't travel, they're going to go and buy a holiday home. But I don't think many people were picking it last year. No. And then it's crazy the amount of interest that's going into places like Denmark and Albany, places that, as you said, were backwash a
1: year and a half ago couldn't sell anything and now you can't find anything. Yep. and all of them I, I think crept up on the market pretty slowly and there was always little different factors and maybe if we work through each of the regional locations, we'll come up with some of them. But yeah, it's been really interesting to watch them move at different points in the cycle.
0: Let's think quickly back to a year ago. The only places that were moving was the Pilbara, so yeah. Port and Carratha. Yep, We'll talk about that at the end. We'll start in Bunbury. Bunbury probably hadn't moved... At the start of the
1: year, had it? No, and it was probably pretty typical to Perth Metro in terms of the kind of median house price suburbs of Perth Metro area. It had actually suffered through the effects of the previous boom. So, you go to a place like Dow where it had some really crazy local and investor activity in the previous boom, and essentially, it was still recovering over a longer period of time, like five years from that previous boom. This is South Bunbury, pretty new suburb. Yeah, exactly. That flowed into lots of parts of Bunbury Central. Pretty happy to say that it's moving through that as the year's gone on and the activity's gone up, but it definitely struggled for traction, as it usually does, despite its location as the gateway to the southwest.
0: So, finishing off the year in Bunbury, are we oversupplied, undersupplied, or in a pretty balanced market?
1: Probably still slightly oversupplied towards balanced market. There is some relatively good growth coming in there that aligns with the growth that's happened in Perth Metro. But it, unfortunately, still struggles for traction when the market moves just because of its, its profile as commerce city as opposed to a, a holiday destination.
0: So, it hasn't gotten that same COVID effect coming out of it in the same way that a lot of the places we will soon speak about have.
1: No, exactly. Yeah, it's lacking a bit of that activity.
0: Did a lot of the build grants get pushed through there?
1: Because there was a lot of land, Trindale, all these areas. Yeah, so, there, well, thankfully, places like Australind towards the north and Eton and then down into Dalgallup, Dal- created the demand for the supply of the vacant land in those locations. So, certainly, the, the uptake's been good. So, don't get me wrong, it's not negative in there. It's just in comparison to some other locations, it hasn't had the dramatic growth in value. It's definitely had some really good activity in terms of creating housing in the region.
0: Do you see next year, some strength still in Bunbury, or is it we will have to wait and see as to who actually ends up coming into Perth and then moving out to Bunbury?
1: Yeah, so I think the challenge there is to attract people not only to WA or to Perth, but also to get them into that southwest. It is absolutely a massive pinch point for getting trades to undertake any of the building in the southwest. If they can attract them into Bunbury, that'd be a very good thing. It'll have a positive effect on their property market as well.
0: Well, Bunbury is the port there for green bushes where we got all this, see all this lithium start to come through so you'd like to think that they'd benefit from that
1: yeah exactly and so it's always been the riddle of Bunbury in terms of how much of that local economic activity from the regional location as the center of that regional location how much flows back into Bunbury and how much they can hang on to Greenbush is one of the oldest mines in the world continuously operating and obviously they've got some massive expansion plans in there and massive offtake contracts to some pretty big companies around the world in terms of following that battery market Whether that translates to property growth in Bunbury is another question. It might be too tenuous, that link. Busselton, Dunsborough. Yeah, Busso Dunsborough. Start of the year, where were we at? It's probably one of those locations that we were taken by surprise a bit in terms of people external to the market jumping in and being really active in terms of being aggressive with their pricing. We had a lot of what we see in the game as non-subject to finance contracts where we end up doing a valuation anyway because someone doesn't have a million and a half dollars sitting in the bank or in their bottom drawer, Risky, but they make their contract not subject to finance so that they get the property and then we come along and do a valuation and we consistently had a theme at the start of the year where we really struggling to stack up those purchase prices and the price bracket was high or just under a mil through to pretty much a two mil mark. I know that's broad, but that's the broad nature of that market down there as people jump in particular high net worths from Perth Metro, who'd probably had always thought about buying a holiday home down there, suddenly saw that it was hard to get a rental. So therefore they jumped straight into the purchase and said, Well, if I can't rent something for a week or two or a month, I'm gonna buy my own holiday house down here. I was always gonna do it. I might as well do it now. And guess what? I think it's cheap, so I'll offer a hundred or two hundred K above the asking price.
0: That's the risky business there, Brendo, when you've got people who are that desperate that they're putting cash offers in and those offers aren't actually cash and those offers are breaking records <laughs> yeah. where you've got to get the valuer to stack it up. Yep. Did you ever actually have any occasions there
1: where you couldn't stack it yeah, up? And- yeah, a fair number of occasions where we couldn't stack them up. And we just value it at what we see as the market rate at that point in time. The definition of market value internationally is a transaction that occurs between a willing buyer and a willing seller where they've acted without compulsion. And so, we would stand back from that and say, look, there's a lot of compulsion going on here in terms of decision making. We think they're trying to pay too much in this market and call it that way back to the bank. Often, you'll see the transaction go through anyway, and that'll set a new market level. I know that sounds a bit weird, but as the market will move up as everyone else catches up to that as well.
0: Bit of a market secret, I guess, Brendan, if you're not going to value it at what they want to pay for it, they often will go to a different bank and get a different value. Won't, yeah. and eventually yeah, someone might value yeah, it at. That someone price. might have
1: a different opinion, and that could be us or it could be one of our competitors. Yeah, and just pulled out an example in terms of that growth from Yelling Up Hills Way. There's a little bit of zoning change going on here in terms of confirmation of an area or that area not being allowed to be subdivided into the future. But we're talking lifestyle lots here that were transacting around a half a mil mark, and now consolidated into a nine hundred. Diff- to a million dollars over the last 12 months. So they've literally doubled in value in 12 months, essentially. Is it going to sustain at that level? Well, we get back to our good old fundamentals, demand and supply. So I can't imagine the demand's going to drop away too quickly, in particular with borders opening and potentially other people coming into WA. And there's only a certain, and that stat shows you that when there's a finite supply of a type of property, the value will get driven up pretty quickly.
0: It doesn't take much demand to push it massively. Yeah. And that's the same perspective I sort of have on when the borders open in Perth and WA generally is that you put Perth, in the same way we look at a finite level of supply in the Southwest and go, oh, that's really small. Therefore, a small amount of buyer demand affects that massively. It's Perth where you go, well, actually, 9,000 properties on the market is a really small amount nationally. You go and bring in international and East Coast buyers on top of our buyers,
1: Yeah, the same effect could happen to Perth. Yeah, absolutely. And we're never going to sit here and predict that because it would be extremely bold in particular from a conservative valuer, but there's absolutely the scenario where that could happen. Yeah.
0: The only question I have with regards to the Southwest and all these lifestyle properties is that some people have probably made, I would have thought, some consumerist decisions here whilst they can't travel. And then they think in a year or so when the borders are open and they can travel, I wouldn't mind that money back now. And then they put that property on the market because they're probably not going down to Denmark every- Three or four weeks.
1: Yep. And the other driver there is is just what happens to rents. So if we move across from the southwest down to Great Southern and into Albany and Denmark, a massive driver in that Albany market, to give you an example, was locals buying up empty houses to put onto Airbnb. So if you look at that whole southwest Great Southern region, if the demand drops away because everyone's gone overseas, the Airbnb rental drops away because that's been a little bit like printing money for some people down there. Then what happens next? They start seeing the cash flow dry up. They've got a mortgage to pay against that property. Do they put it on the market and say, "Well, the time's over. I've made some capital growth anyway. I made a great return while it lasts." And suddenly, you create a little bit too much supply in that marketplace. So that's the risk
0: I see for the southwest, especially. Obviously, the northwest has its own risks that always poses. But for the southwest, it's seen a massive boom up. In the same way, we've seen to a small extent to what we've seen on the east coast with Byron Bay and these sort of places. It's that lifestyle boom, that lottery, but the risk is that that falls away as people start going to Bali again.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and we've made it this far without mentioning Bali. We didn't mention it in the Perth market update. Because it's so back of mind, if you can just sit for a second and think about the sheer volume of people that would holiday up there in the past and the amount of dollars that got spent in Bali versus WA, That can give you a real perspective check in terms of the money that will come out of our economy from a tourism and recreation point of view, potentially from the middle of next year as we cool down and Bali heats up, if the borders are open and it's safe up there, then obviously that money starts getting spent in Bali instead of Perth. That's right.
0: Spoken Dunsborough, Denmark, Albany, move up to Cal.
1: Yeah. And just to finish on Albany, massive undersupply of land in there. Really difficult for first home buyers and upgrade home builders to get into a decent block of land and really a real challenge in terms of creating further supply in that location, which I think is going to play out in terms of continued value growth. Yeah, up the highway off to Kalgoorlie. Some really interesting stuff happening in Kalgoorlie. Certainly plenty of houses selling within 30 days. Rental vacancies are extremely tight, very much like Perth Metro Market. Yields are looking at 65 to 7.5% and general activity going really strong at the moment driven by some of that local fundamentals driven by some investors getting in the market driven also again by under supply gold price relatively strong and then obviously things like nickel coming through in terms of that new battery economy that's driving a lot of activity obviously there's the uranium storage facility that will get built in town there as well or not in town but obviously on the processing plan outside of town so a little bit of perfect storm going on for Kalgoorlie. The other key there is they did have pent-up supply of land and they do have local builders that would be able to build. Obviously, costs are still going to go up, but it creates a viable opportunity in that location to create supply. Is it
0: a blip? Is it a cyclical thing or do you think there's a step-changing crop in Kalgoorlie because of the more broader, longer-term industry opportunities we might be seeing with electric vehicles and things like that?
1: It's really hard to call. Kalgoorlie is typically so cyclical that I wouldn't be as bold to say that this isn't another blip and another cycle going through that town. Yeah. Okay.
0: I think that makes sense that generally we wouldn't want to be breaking the wheel and being the first people <laughs> to call that this is the first time Kalgoorlie isn't on another one of its gold lines.
1: It's uh, been happening there for about 120 years. It has. (laughs) It is the rush town of of Australia.
0: I think you want to go to Geraldton next, don't you? Do I?
1: Okay. Yeah, Gerald's going pretty crazy. I didn't believe you last time. No. When I walked in the door, I highlighted to you uh, Riwa's good old highest growth suburbs and I said that number one's Beachlands and you said, where is Beachlands? I did. it's in the heart of Geraldton. And at number three is Rangeway. Again, that's just on the edge of Gero. So, you've got to be careful with these so statistics. So, two of
0: the top three suburbs, even though we don't like these statistics because they're generally so off. But let's just say that they're up there. Yeah. Two of the top three suburbs coming out of Rewa at the moment for growth right now Yeah, are in
1: Gero. Yep. Saying that with a bemused smile on my I'm face. shaking my head for everyone uh, listening. Rangeway, 75%. Now, here's the perspective. The suburbs only got a population of less than 1,900 people. And the median house price is 122 grand. So we're coming off a really low base, and that means that that percentage looks really dramatic, but sometimes that sells papers, doesn't it? And just Beachlands again, it's a really small suburb, less than 1,500 people live in there. Median house price of 330 grand. The growth, and this could have been influenced by one or two transactions, but the growth rate's a good headline at (laughs) 84.7%. So there you go. This is a
0: perfect example. Obviously, prices are going up in Geraldton. They're going up because there's a small amount of supply that's been soaked up. There's yep. some demand. I'm not sure what the driver for that demand is other than some lifestyle choices, but it shows that there's, it's clearly not intrinsically, fundamentally demonstrating an 80-something percent growth in gelatin. No. This is where data gets dirty. Yep. And now you that with inverted commas. Because we've got a couple of transactions that just warp the whole outcome. Yeah. What does it probably mean for Jero? We've seen 15%,
1: 20%. Yeah. On average, I'd I'd expect it's probably around there. There's some really ordinary pockets of Jero that everyone that lives there or has tried to invest there in the past has probably gone, gee, that's cheap. And then they hopefully drive through it and understand why. So, it's got some socioeconomic economic problems that have been around for a while. I think most importantly for Jero, it's some of the infrastructure investment that's happened in the past is now coming to fruition. And so there's a really good opportunity there for renewable energy. We know that it can be a really windy place. It's also a really sunny place. So those two factors can help it in terms of producing energy. That might lead into some kind of hydrogen stuff and that in the future in terms of trying to make some green hydrogen. There is a data company that is going to build a supercomputer up there or they're selling they've got to build it yet. But interestingly, one of the reasons that they are going there is because Jero was one of the first places along with Tassie that got the really big NBN pipe. That means that they can transfer data from Geraldton to Perth CBD within milliseconds. So it of may as well be in Perth. Yeah, exactly. It's so close. But they can run their data center up there off wind and solar. Super cheap. Something that's going to consume a huge amount of power and run it from a green point of view, also obviously from a cost point of view. So just a couple of things happening there, a bit of building and construction activity. Obviously, the port still gets talked about, but it's nice to not have that as the headline for Geraldton and growth essentially. All right, let's move into Newman. Yeah, so Newman's still got a bit of oversupply, has had some value growth, which is really interesting, where I'm always cautious in there in that, number one, there's demand in terms of rentals, and so that'll continue to drive up rents and continue to drive up capital values. But there is also some government housing and some mining company-owned housing that is sitting in the background. Still, bought it up and waiting to supply into the town. This
0: was the message at the start of the year, Brendan. So, not much has really moved in that space?
1: Well, the values of the existing properties that are occupiable have gone up and there's just that possibility that some of that supply comes. But I would expect because of the fundamentals of lack of supply and demand still being in the location that the values would go up over the next year or so and have over the year.
0: I think I had Newman as
1: my pick for the year. Yeah, 33% growth in Newman for the year according to Riwa. Well, I wouldn't be far off then. So, that's not too bad, mate. And funnily enough, a median house price in there of three hundred and two grand at the minute, which looks really cheap in comparison to the rest of the Pilbara.
0: It does. Leads us into how things have been going up in Port Headland. That's had a good year, hasn't it? When, yeah. That was probably when we think about a year ago. The message from you was, I remember this clearly, it's not Garatha. It hasn't boomed yet. It's about to start moving or it has just started moving. All that's being soaked up, but
1: 2021 is going to be a good year for poor Headland. That was your message. I remember it very clearly. Great. I remember saying most of that. So, <laughs> South Headland's again, I'm just talking to re with stats here, but it's the easiest way for us to give you a, that the audience a flavour of what's happening. South Headland's up by 71.4%. A lot of that growth will be coming from things like really cheap units that were in there, one bedders that were less than 150K, they were empty. Investors went and bought them. And took a risk on the idea that they would get rental growth and capital growth. Some of those are now at 250, 300K. So you can see how, if they've doubled in value, that influences statistics. Port Heland growth rate is at 46, 47%, pretty much, and a median house price of 660 grand. So it's back down to the absolute depths of the market. And now it's coming back to not where it was in the boom, but back to where it almost kind of normalized a little bit in the back end of the last boom. Still some issues happening in there in terms of buyback schemes for the port, those kinds of things. That should underpin values in there for the short to medium term. Because
0: it's reducing supply.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so Port Headland itself in terms of the, the town centre is only ever going to have a certain amount of supply. And from there, they need to expand into South Headland. And again, it's really expensive to build a new house up there. So there's a restriction on new supply coming all the time.
0: Do you know what's going on with regards to demand? Do you expect next year to continue
1: to have good demand? In Hedland? Yeah, I'd expect it to continue along. It's still the epicenter of removing iron ore from the Pilbara and getting it out to the rest of the world. And there's a lot of pressure on infrastructure there in terms of construction of new ports and those types of facilities. And most importantly, this time around, those facilities are in town. They're not out on a mining site a couple hundred k's away. So there's potential for it to go really well over the next 12 months or so.
0: And this will pertain to Caratha and Newman as well. But I guess the big risk that we see We just spoke about the risk for the southwest. The big risk we'll see for the northwest, that sort of area is whatever happens with regards to China's buying cycle with iron ore. If the worst case happens and they decide to start pulling away from purchasing iron ore and more specifically iron ore from Australia, that has serious ramifications on work programs within the space of six months really
1: up there as things move into care and maintenance. And that's
0: not to say it will happen. But that's the risk that we see with these places.
1: Yeah. So every purchaser that goes in there should be really wary that they're buying into a market that is led by macroeconomic factors that are way out of their control. They're not even in control of the federal government. In fact, they're doing a pretty good job of mucking it up completely. In my opinion, they don't have a fresh enough finger on the pulse of how WA works. They think they've got it covered, but they've got no real idea. So just be wary of that risk. I would expect that we'll be fine. But just when you're going to buy a a property in there at a 10 or 11% return, just be wary that as we saw in the last downturn in mining, it takes a long time for miners to invest and spend big dollars. And when that money flows, it has a really good effect on the market. But they can turn that money flow off overnight, literally, and just walk away from a project. They've done it in the past, not having a crack at them. That's obviously how they run their business. The person that purchased the house to rent to the workers needs to understand that that may happen and gear themselves appropriately.
0: They're not in control of the outcomes of their investment. No. It is a punt. Yep. Last but not least, the big one, it's Karatha <laughs> as always.
1: Yeah, so massive headlines happening there in terms of Scarborough being approved by Woodside for investment or final investment decision. Well, that means is more people need to get up there and start building things. Yeah. I was lucky enough to spend a few days in Karatha and Dampier earlier in the year and got to spend some holiday time there and go out on the archipelago and stuff. Beautiful part of the world. It's an amazing part of the world, especially when it's below 20 degrees in Perth and it's 35 degrees and there's a cool breeze blowing up there. And landscapes off the Richter are amazing, inland and on the coast, but a fair bit of pressure on house prices. We've already seen the first cycle of growth. That was a year ago. Yeah. or During this 2021, it's continued to grow. The most important part of that is that and why I raised going up there for holiday is that it's a very livable city now. Brendan Grill's vision for Pilbara Cities has definitively been realised in Karatha. Maybe it's lacking in some of the other locations. They're really hard locations to make livable places when it's that hot. But Karatha's worked. The local shopping centres and those types of facilities that have been created, the community facilities, the housing stock, the apartment stock, all of those things have worked and the reconstruction, of the road network and those kinds of things have seemed to have worked really well and they've created as a viable northern city for WA for families to live in. And thankfully, in this change in market, where we saw it bottom out and then move up again, we saw a lot of local buyers getting in at the bottom to middle part of that growth cycle. And hopefully, they hang around and benefit from the value growth that they get now going forward. We've still got the age-old problem in there, though. We've got land supply. There's land sitting there waiting to be built on. We've got an issue with how much it costs to build a house, and it's only getting worse. So it was six hundred grand. It was maybe it got down to five hundred. It's going to be going up by thirty to forty percent again now. So we're going to blow through six hundred grand to build a no one building anything in, in Caratah for a
0: very long yep. time.
1: and the government has still got that same dilemma. Like, how do they solve that problem? Do they do they create a long-term housing investment fund or something to create that supply? But they definitely need to create more supply because whilst they don't, we will see exponential house price growth and exponential rental growth driving that. Over the next 12 months.
0: So, Caratha is still a growth suburb in 2022, you reckon? Yes. Pending the iron <laughs> ore macro. Market.
1: Yeah. So, we're not touching China in terms of predictions there. But yeah, as long as we're still selling iron ore to China and we're still creating energy and salt and still shipping gas out, Caratha is going to go pretty well.
0: Brendan Ptolemy? Thank you very much for your time this year, mate. It's been a really good quarterly yeah. update Merry space. Merry- you have some good time off and we'll yeah, look forward to having you in, in the first quarter next year probably.
1: And if we can seek some feedback from the listeners, when do you stop saying Happy New Year when you go back to work? If they can <laughs> let us
0: know what that date is, that'd it be It has good. to be the 1st
1: of Feb. <laughs> it has to be. Thanks, cheers, mate. mate. Thank you. Bye. Good luck. Thank you for listening to another
0: episode of the Perth Property Show.